Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Have you got your Bibles? Let's open up to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And we will continue our series on the promised land. Can I just say to you that this series is impacting me deeply. I can't remember the last time a series has impacted me so deeply. It's like God speaking to me. And, uh, and what happens on Sundays is that you get the leftovers. It's, uh, I'm getting the main meal during the week and you're getting the leftovers on Sundays. And so it's just impacting me deeply. Let, let, let me share with you the, the, the premise of the Promised Land series. So you've got, it starts with Genesis chapter 12. The whole Promised Land promise starts with God speaking to Abraham, saying, leave the place that you know to go to a place that you don't know to receive an inheritance that you don't have. And so he launched out in faith and God promised him that he would, he, he would see his legacy in the generations to come and that God would give his people a, a, a land of promise. And, and so then what we see is Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The whole, almost from chapter 12 of Genesis to the end of Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible all focused in on getting the children of Israel into the promised land. So you just cannot leave that out of the equation when it comes to us in the New Testament as New Testament Christians. What's the significance of the promised land to them? What's the significance to us? Well, here it is. I'm glad you asked that question because God is the God of more than enough, not just enough. Too many people have got a revelation of the God of just enough when he's the God of more than enough. You know, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, Now unto him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's, so, so, so he's God saying, are you living on just the make-do level or are you living in the promises of God? And so, and so he's Jesus in John 10, verse 10. says, the thief has come only but to rob, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. And it doesn't, I mean, if that's where he stopped, that's awesome. He's come that we might have life, the God life. How awesome is that? But then there's part two. And the part two is abundant life. And so, so here we have in the Old Testament, very clearly, the children of Israel were saved out of Egypt. They were baptized through the Red Sea. And in the wilderness, God provided for them. He gave them manna in the morning, gave them food. There was, there was rock that followed them, uh, that gave them water, this, this abundance of water, abundance of food. And then God sheltered them. In, in the uh, day, he would give them cloud to cover them. At night, there was a fire to warm them up. And so the basics were covered. But God said, you know, the basics are covered, but it's not the abundance. The abundance is in the promised land. And so you've got to cross over. There's, there's stuff to cross over. And so they get to the border, Kadesh Barnea, and God says, there it is. Go and take it. And so they sent the spies to spy out the land. And the spies came back and said, we've been set up. What do you mean we've been set up? It is a great land. 
It's awesome. It's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But there's a problem. What's the problem? There are giants in the land. There's nations in the land. And, and, and it's like, yeah, God set them up not to fail but to succeed. And so there's giants to face and battles to fight. And the problem is that too often we get to the border and we're not willing to have the battle. We're not willing to face the giants. But this is the good news. See, some of you are saying, that's bad news. No, this is good news. What's the good news? Is that God goes before you. The battle is the Lord's. He defeats the giants on your behalf. You just got to clean up the mess. Your battle is just cleaning up the mess. And so we come to Deuteronomy chapter 7 now because that first generation wasn't willing to take the plunge. They weren't willing to take the channel, the challenge. Now we come to the second generation. And this is Moses writing to the second, speaking to the second generation in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And so the context of this is those guys failed. What about you? Are you going to fail or are you going to succeed? And so he's Moses speaking to the second generation about how to have success in the promised land. Are you ready for it? Okay. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you. So question is, who casts out the nations? The Lord. The battle is the Lord's. And then it names seven nations. This is significant because over the next seven weeks, what we're going to be doing is opening up what these seven nations represent in the Christian life. And so it talks about the Hittite and the Girgashite and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. So this morning, we're going to cover the Hittites. What's the Hittite spirit? What's, what's the giant? What's the nation? What's that, what's that blockage that we have to overcome? What does it signify? Because there's seven things that the children of Israel had to face. And there's seven things that we have to face if we want the promised land. They stand between us and the promised land. There's battles to be done. So, but, but here's the good news. What's the good news? Is that God goes before you. God defeats your enemies. Everybody say, God defeats my enemies. So what do I have to do? That's the question. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because verse 2 and onwards tells you what you've got to do. When the Lord your God delivers them over to you, what is he delivering over to you? The defeated enemy, he's delivered to you. They're defeated already. He's done the victory, but he delivers them to you. You shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them, nor shall you give your daughters to their son, nor take their daughters for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. And thus you shall deal with them and you shall destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire. Wow, that is intense. See, he's God saying, don't be soft with these giants. Don't, don't be fooled by them acting meek and mild. Here it is, Keith. You've got, you used the word so beautifully uh, uh, earlier on. Don't compartmentalize. You know what compartmentalization is? It's putting your giant in a little box and hiding him away. 
Let me tell you something. Giants don't hide in little boxes. They're just waiting for their time to spring on you. And he's God saying, don't make covenants, don't make deals. Take away the sacred altars. Take away everything that would give this stinking thing a foothold in your life. I've defeated him. Now you've got to conquer him. Hello? There are spirits in our lives that the God has already defeated, but we need to conquer. And this is where you've got to face your giant, you've got to fight your battle. And this is where we've got to rise up in faith of God. Because I'm looking at every single one of you, and I'm asking, what's the giant that you've got to face? Have you faced him? Have you made it a pact? Well, 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 we'll just keep him in the background. And especially on Sundays, we'll hide him on Sundays because we won't take him to church. But on Monday, we'll pull him out of the cupboard. You know, what's, what's going on? You know, what's going on? He's, he's the word of the Lord. And then it doesn't finish there because verse 6, <laughs> you know, what happens is a lot of people, they skip all of that and they go straight to verse 6. But here's the context of it. If you do this first, there's a reason behind it. And verse 6 says, this is the reason. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Everybody say, I'm a holy person. The Lord your God has chosen you. Everybody say, God's chosen me. To be a people for himself. To say, to be God's people. Come on, say it. To be God's people. And then he goes on, and I love this word, to be a special treasure above all the peoples of the face of the earth. You know what God said to you? This is what God's saying to you. I actually want to show you off. I I, I want you to be something that I show the nations of the world. I, I want your life to be so blessed. I want your life to be so victorious that I actually want to pick you up and show the nations of the earth. This is how I treat people that obey me. This is, this is what it looks like to serve the Lord your God. This is what it looks like to the people who are confronted with the giants that I've defeated. And they're saying, hey, let's kill this thing, not ever give it life. And kaboom, the blessings of God come upon you and you become God's special treasure. I tell you, there's no glory in people being defeated and in misery and crying all the time. There's incredible glory when you see the blessing of God upon your life. So let's move straight into this. Are you ready? What's the Hittite? What's the Hittites? What what are the Hittites? What do they represent? And as I said, over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at these seven giants and what they represent. So the word Hittite comes from a root word meaning to cause terror. And so that root word, when you extrapolate, when you open it up, it literally means to cause, to fall down prostrate. So such is the terror that it causes, it causes you to fall prostrate so you can't move forward. And so, so he's, he's, he's the, get, get the mental picture This giant stands before you and creates such terror in your heart that your journey is impeded. You're moving away. All of a sudden, this giant comes before you and and you just cannot move forward. It creates such terror in your heart that you fall either down prostrate or you back down. How many of you encountered a giant like that that causes such terror in your life that you just can't move forward? It's And so what's that spirit? It's called the spirit of fear. 
Everybody said the spirit of fear. It's a giant that we have to confront. It's a giant that we... Now, now just let me pause for a second because... You know, when it comes to doing hermeneutics and Bible exposition, it's important that we, if we find a seed thought in the Old Testament, it's got to be extrapolated in the New Testament. It's got to be clear in the New Testament. So, so here's the seed thought. The Hittite is the spirit of fear. Then we go to the New Testament and open up what the spirit of fear is. So let, let, me, let me give you four things that this is, Okay. Four things that this is. Number one, it's a spirit. So fear is a spirit. You say, where do you get that from? Well, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So, so spirits dwell in the spirit realm. And they want to influence us. Now, some of you are sitting there and saying, oh, you're getting too super spooky for me. Guys, you are a spiritual being. Don't, don't, just, don't just see yourself as a physical being. Because when your spirit leaves your body, you're dead. That's it. That's, that's what it is. You see a person lying there and they look the same as they were two minutes ago. But because their spirit has left their body, they're dead. They stop breathing. Their heart stops beating. They're dead. Their spirit has left their body. You are a spirit being that's having a physical experience. That's why, that's why you can never, ever judge God just through the physical realm. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit. Fear is a spirit. There's this, there's this incredible realm called a spiritual realm. Yeah, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I just get so so annoyed with people that can't understand that there's a spiritual realm. And this is where the West has been indoctrinated and has absorbed science as its God. Because as soon as you absorb science as its God, this is, this is your new religion. If you cannot prove it exists in the physical realm, it doesn't exist. That's the, that's the religion of science. But that's only physical. So I'm with you. If it's physical and you can't prove that it exists, well, I won't believe it either. But is there a spiritual realm? Well, let me tell you, if we're going to vote in the world, the scientists are in a very small minority because the majority of the world believes in a spiritual realm. You talk to any anthropologist that has studied Races in the world, and this is what every single anthropologist, which is a science incidentally, will tell you, that every single race in the world believes in a spiritual realm. There is not one race in the world that does not believe in a spirit realm. That's anthropology right there. So how can you deny that there is a spiritual realm? Now, what we've done as Christians is that we've used the Bible to give us insight into the spiritual realm. I don't know why I'm going here, um, uh, but I'm, I've gone here. The first service, I didn't go there, but I've, I've gone here as well. Because this is the point, is that there's a spirit realm and fear exists in the spirit realm. There's no tangibility to fear, but it can grip your heart. When we, you know, if, if you're afraid of the dark, there's no tangibility about it, but it's a fear and it's real to the person experiencing it. How many of you are claustrophobic? 
you know, you're sort of closed spaces. Give me a wave if you're claustrophobic, you know, closed spaces. How, how, many of you, how many of you are afraid of spiders? How many of you are afraid of snakes? How many of you are afraid of strangers? I mean, you know, sometimes there's no logical rhyme or reason for your fear, but it's a spirit and it grips your heart. And as soon as it grips your heart, it controls you. What grips your heart controls you. And so what we have is this, we've got the spirit of fear and we've got the Holy Spirit. Everybody say spirit of fear. Holy Spirit. What's going to control you, the spirit of fear or the Holy Spirit? Now, what happens sometimes? You get to a point and you hear the voice saying, saying, jump. And you've got to work out whether the jumping is the wrong spirit or the right spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will never ask you to jump into your death or your destruction, but always jump into your destiny. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it always takes you to a better spot. When the enemy speaks to you out of fear, it's always to stop you from going to a better spot and to control you and to keep you small and insignificant. And so we've got to work. And this is where the discerning of spirits comes in. Is it the Holy Spirit or is it a wrong spirit? And so if, if you can't discern it, then, then this is where community is so beautiful because you can speak to other people and say, look, I'm facing a challenge. I don't know whether it's the spirit of God or the spirit of the enemy. Will you pray with me and help me discern? Because I can either go one way or another, but I don't want to jump ahead of God. I don't want to go ahead of God. And that's so important that we work that out. Amen. Can anybody say amen to that? Okay. If you discover that it is a wrong spirit, a spirit of fear. I want to give you the secret of defeating the spirit of fear. Are you ready for this? Here's the secret. Whether it be the devil or whether it be any spirit, any force of darkness, Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 gives us the three keys to defeat the enemy or any spiritual thing. Here it is. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Revelation chapter 12 verse 3. And it says, and they defeated him. They defeated the devil. They defeated the enemy. They defeated any dark, evil spirit through the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their life to the death. The blood. Everybody say the blood of the Lamb. Do you know what that is code for? It's code for the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The blood of Jesus Christ... I tell you, the world hates us speaking about that. If there's a spirit of Antichrist, it dwells in the world right now. And the spirit of Antichrist is anti-Christ, anti the things of God, anti the things of the Spirit. And so he's the church saying, we defeat the enemy through the blood of Jesus. And he's the spirit of Antichrist. Oh, don't use that. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Huh? How, how dare you use that word? Well, well, Christianity is not a blood sacrifice religion. You know, you've got to be a bit more modernized now. Stop using the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. I'll say it again. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Matter of fact, what the enemy's done is that it's actually taken the blood of Jesus and made it a swear word. Who's ever heard of the word bloody? So we've got something sacred and we make it a swear word. What's going on? That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And we're being, exp oh man, I tell you, 
I feel the anointing of God, the prophetic anointing of God all over me. Because there is a spirit of antichrist that's at work in the world right now. Some of you are looking for a person rather than a spirit. The spirit was at work 2,000 years ago. The apostle John said the spirit of the antichrist is at work right now in the world. And it's at work in your homes. It's at work in the media. It's at work every 24-7 day. It's, it's at work everywhere. And everything that opposes the word of God, everything that opposes what's written in this book is the spirit of the antichrist. And we've got political correctness. We've got media. We've got exposure to stuff. That's the spirit of the antichrist. And it is polluting our young people to think a particular way rather than a godly way. And I tell you, it's got to be exposed through a discerning of spirits and say, that is not of God, but this is of God. And we've got to be people of God that defeat the enemy through the blood of the Lamb. Second way you defeat the enemy is through the word of your testimony. The word of your testimony. What's interesting is that word testimony is a Greek word, called materia, martyria. And martyria means the testimony that you would give in a court of law. So if you go to a court of law, you do not have a testimony unless you've seen or experienced something. In a court of law, what's been handed to you secondhand is not a testimony. In a court of law, the only thing that will stand as a witness, as a testimony, is what you have seen, what you have experienced. So what's all this about? You defeat the enemy by what you experience. You defeat the enemy by talking about what God has done for you. When you're facing that giant of fear that says, you're going to fail. You're not going to succeed in this. Then you begin to say, you know what? Because let me tell you, this is exactly what I was confronted with when I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to get the faith to build something that's going to cost three or four million dollars. John, you're 60 years of age in March. You've done an amazing thing over the last 38 years. You've seen people saved, sent out 50 missionaries, helped plant 10,000 churches. Just settle down, relax. Ah, see your retirement out. It's okay. You've got a great church. There's a thousand people in your church. You're doing really well. Doing really well? That's just the foundation of the future, is what God says. God says, John, I've taken 38 years to put something in you. Okay? 38 hard years to put something in you. So what are you going to do? Bury that? Or are you going to take it to the next level? And so here's the word of the testimony. Oh God, in 1978, you called me. You called me into ministry. You opened the door. And I've seen that. I've seen you actually did that. You provided. You caused me to come. You gave me your wife. That's an incredible victory. I've got a testimony that you opened up doors for me. In 1996, you brought me here to Chatsword. And there was, we, we, we were in a, a school hall. And, and, and we, we had a derelict building. But you gave us the faith to build a great building and now it's fully paid for we're able to do renovations it's fully paid for i've got testimonies 
You defeat the enemy by looking at your track record and just going through testimony after testimony after testimony of how good God has been and how wonderful God has been. And it brings you to this place of battle where you defeat the enemy by the word of your testimony. And the enemy backs down and says, whoa, oh, you can, you can feel him shivering every time you tell a testimony. Because every time you tell a testimony, you're actually telling the story of your victory and his defeat. Your victory and his defeat. Can anybody say amen to that? Come on, let's do a little bit more testifying. And then number three, you want to defeat the enemy? The blood of the lamb, word of your testimony, and not loving your life to the death. What's all this about? This is all about how the enemy can control us through fear, fear of death. It's such a big fear for people, fear of death or fear of failure or any fear. And so it controls us. And so we've got to overcome this fear of death. It's a huge fear. And let me tell you, over the years, you find the story of the martyrs that has certainly overcome the fear of death. I mean, it was just awesome. Uh, a few years ago with ISIS and those Egyptian martyrs on the beach. How many of you remember that? They were willing to die rather than renounce their faith. And one of the guys wasn't even a Christian. Can you believe that? Do you, do you know the story that one of the guys that was martyred, martyred wasn't even a Christian? He's surrounded by these Christians and, he, and, and these guys are saying, if you don't renounce the faith, we're going to kill you. And he's looking at these Christians and their faith and, and saying to himself, I want what they've got. Because what they've got is no fear of death. I want that. And so he became a Christian just before they killed him. And so they did kill a Christian, but he became a Christian because he saw the faith of Christians around him. I mean, that is just an incredible story. Do the research on that. It's very, very, very... Matter of fact, James McPherson is the one who told me that story. So uh, he's done the research on it. Not loving life to the death. You overcome the fear of death. So, oh man... Okay, let me fly through the next few minutes. So what's the, what's the Hittite giant look like? Number one, it's a spirit. You have to overcome the spirit. And you overcome that spirit through the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and not loving life to the death. Number two, fear is false evidence appearing real. The acronym of fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And what the enemy does, he creates a mirage for you. And the mirage seems so real, but it's fake. And if you believe the mirage, he's controlling you. You just got to cast it down. Every thought. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on, there's a battle, but it's not against people. It's against principalities. It's against powers. It's against high things. Paul again says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, strongholds of the mind. The enemy's power over you is the power of creating images in your mind in which you believe them to have power and strength. But the truth of the matter is the enemy's been defeated. Everybody said the enemy's been defeated. It's false evidence appearing real. Third thing about the Hittite spirit is that it's not just a spirit, but it's also a giant. A spirit is this, this, this thing that's sort of ethereal thing, but a giant is like a blockage. And it stands in front of you, blocking you. It stands in front of you being incredibly big. But I just love what someone said about, about David and Goliath said, he's, he's David facing this huge giant. And, and everybody, everybody is looking at their giant and saying, he's too big to hit. 
And, and that was their attitude to the giant. It's too big to hit. And what was David's attitude to the giant? Too big to miss. He's a bigger target, man, I tell you. If he was little, he, I might miss him, but he's so big I can't miss him. I mean, it's about attitude. It's about what do you see? What do you see? These giants, in, in actual fact, empower you. And by David defeating Goliath, he was empowered to become a mighty warrior in the land. Are you, what are you doing with your giants? Are you backing down or are you saying, giant, guess who's on my side? I got God on my side. And number four, Fear is a snare. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. And that word snare literally means a trap for catching animals. And so fear is like a trap and it'll catch you. And here you are running in freedom. All of a sudden you go into the snare of fear and you're stuck. You can't move into your destiny. You can't move into your joy. Fear just paralyzes you. It keeps you contained. The enemy wants to keep you contained because he's afraid of you. I tell you something. If, if, if you realize how afraid the enemy is of you, you, you would do a bit more damage to his kingdom. I, I think every now and then you, you need to get up out of bed and just tap the floor in the morning and just say, Hey, devil. Here I come. <laughs> Some of you think that's extreme. You've got to turn this thing around, folks. Huh? He's been defeated. We're victorious. We've got to turn this thing around. He wants to create a snare for us. Get free of the snare and move forward. I've got to finish. How to overcome fear. Just two points on how to overcome fear. I've told you three ways to overcome any spiritual force. Now, let me tell you how to overcome fear. Just two points. Number one, Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Just been talking about fear as a snare. You want to be free? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Let me just say here that there's a difference between knowing and knowing. You say, what? Okay, so the word that's used here is not just knowing. It's a Greek word, ginosko. And ginosko is more than knowing. It's having revelation. It's, it's getting to a point where the knowledge is creating transformation. Let, let, let me ask you a question. Let, let me show you the difference, okay? How many of you know that drinking fizzy drinks is bad for you? Give me a wave if you know that. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you still drink fizzy drinks? Okay. How many of you know that fizzy drinks is bad for you and you don't drink fizzy drinks? You're Gnosko. See, see you, you're Gnosko right now. That's the difference. You might know something, but it hasn't created the transformation. But when you know it, it creates the transformation. And that's what the Bible says about truth. You might know the truth, but when you really know the truth, you'll be set free. So, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people, if you, if you were given a quiz, did Jesus die on the cross? Yeah, of course he died on the cross. Every, every Christmas and Easter, I celebrate the fact that Jesus came and he died. I know that. But what happened to you on the day that you got born again? The day that you got born again, that knowledge became revelation and that created the change. That set you free. That knowledge set you free. 
You won't overcome the enemy. You won't overcome him with just a few quotations. It's when those quotations get into your spirit and you say, get out of my way, devil. I'm coming through. You spirit of fear. What are you to stand up against me? I'll confront you in the power of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's how you overcome the spirit of fear. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Number two, you want to overcome fear? This is what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Perfect love. Perfect love. Who can finish it off? Casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So what's perfect love? I certainly don't have perfect love. My, 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 my love is connected to my imperfections. So I can have great love, but not perfect love. So... Who has perfect love? Who can tell me who has perfect love? The answer is always Jesus. Everybody say the, I don't know what the, I, I, I really know that there's lots of questions out there, but the answer is always Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Perfect love casts out fear. So here it is. Are you listening to the words of fear or the words of Jesus? The words of God. Are you, are you surrounding yourself by the intimidation of the enemy or surrounding yourself with the presence of God? What an incredible thing it is if you're confronting a giant of fear right now, surround yourself with the presence of God. And in the presence of God, God will tell you what to do. God will tell you the next step. God will, God will give you direction. God will just, just make it really clear. Fear will make everything muddy, but God's presence will make everything clear. And what a wonderful thing it is to be surrounded by fear, by, by, by love. And I love what David says in Psalm 23, verse 4. Yeah, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your presence is with me, with God's presence in your life. So let me ask you a question. How much time are you spending calling upon the presence of God to come into your life, into your family, into your home. The presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God is so beautiful. Are you making time for the presence of God? Are you making time to gender the atmosphere of God's presence? It's wonderful that you come to church because one of our goals here is to create an atmosphere of God's presence. But what we want you to do is to take that home with you and create that atmosphere. Create that atmosphere of God's presence wherever you go. What, what, what do you need to do? Yeah, praise, worship, music, whatever, whatever it takes. Just get the atmosphere of God. Get the atmosphere of God. There's the atmosphere of the world that's destroying your home. Can I tell you? Can I tell you that there's the media with the spirit of the Antichrist that wants to invade your home with false philosophies, false belief systems, and it just puts agitation there. You know, there's bang, bang, wham, wham, this, that, yelling, screaming, you know, a pornography, violence, and it's, it's all spirit of the Antichrist. And what, you're letting it into your home? You're letting it into your life? And now you want to overcome these giants. But there's no strength. Invite the presence of God. Perfect love casts out fear. Come on. Can I just say to you as your pastor, I love you. How many of you love me? Three of you love me. That's awesome. I feel so encouraged. I need to build you up. 
Why don't you leave today with a word from God? I'm wanting you to leave today with a strategy plan that will cause you to be victorious. What are you doing to create God's presence in your home? Oh, John, you don't know my problems. Who does? God does. But he's your strategy. What are you doing to create the presence of God in your home? What are you doing to create the present perfect love? Cast out all fear. Can we just invite God's presence to come into our lives? Can we do that? You think we can? And then, and then I'm, I'm praying that you'll take that presence, that, that manifest presence. Now, I know that some of you have already got the presence of God, but I, I want to feel it. I, I want to acknowledge it. I, w- I want to be aware of it. So come on, let's all stand together and just open up our hands to heaven and, and just see what God does. Just open up the palms of your hands to heaven. And I just want you to say this. Lord, you're welcome into my heart, into my life. I thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ is able to cleanse me from all sin. And today, Lord, may your blood Take away my guilt and my shame. The enemy wants me to live in guilt and shame. But the blood of Jesus Christ is able to wash it all away and give me boldness to stand in your presence, pure and holy. And today, Lord, I want your presence. I invite your presence into my life, into my home. I pray for my family that love, joy, and peace might be the atmosphere of my home. I don't want the reverse. I want love, joy, peace. I come, Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, I just pray for every single person that prayed that prayer, Lord. I just pray that right now, there will be showers of heaven falling upon them. Lord, I just know that there are people this week that have battled, that have battled, that have battled, that have battled. I just know, Lord, that there are people that have come here today saying, is life worth it all? Is life worth it all? Matter of fact, I hear somebody saying that this last week. You actually said those words, is life worth it all? And the Spirit of God would say to you, He's heard your question and He's answering you saying, you haven't even begun to see what I'm going to do through you and in you as you submit afresh to God. This is what God would say to you. That battle that you're facing, that battle is the Lord's. The enemy's already been defeated. There's a solution coming. There's an answer coming. There's a breakthrough coming. Don't be impatient. It's on its way. It's going to come to your place. It's coming. It's got your address on it. The God who heard you pray that prayer in desperation is the God that's coming to you with the answer. And the answer is God will break through on your behalf. Don't give up. 
Don't walk away from your miracle. Don't step back from the breakthrough that's about to come. It's about to come. It's about to come. I see it. The showers have already left heaven. They're about to come upon your house. The showers of heaven are about to fall. Come on, lift up your hands and say, Lord, let those showers of blessing fall upon me, upon my house, upon my family. In the mighty name of Jesus, open the windows of heaven, Lord, and let the blessing fall. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.